0: Hey, Dan, you know, we've been watching Star Trek Picard. We've just finished watching episode eight. I think we should talk
1: about it on this episode. I agree. I think uh, it definitely needs to be talked about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't mean like talk about episode eight, but just the series so far at this point. So welcome, everyone, to Positively Trek. I'm Bruce Gibson.
1: I'm Dan Gunther.
0: And we are positive about Trek. (laughs) That 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 was not planned. That's why that sounded so bad. But hey, everyone, thank you for joining.
1: I don't think that'll be a new, our new catchphrase. But we'll keep trying no. stuff out. Well, yeah, we're gonna we'll figure this uh, yeah. out.
0: We'll figure something out. Um, so yeah, um, we want to talk through a little bit about Star Trek: Picard. As I mentioned, we've finished watching episode eight. And we just kind of want to give a general thoughts and review of the series at this point, knowing that there's only two episodes left in the season. So I'm sure we'll come back and review the whole season as a whole. But uh, at this point, we do want to cover that. But... Dan, you got a little bit of Star Trek news you want to share with us?
1: Yeah, a little bit of news. There's not a ton of new Star Trek news happening at the moment, but there were a couple stories that we did notice uh, that we wanted to bring to you. As you know, the novels are near and dear to our hearts, and the latest new Star Trek novel release was just last week uh, on March 10th. We have an original series novel, The Higher Frontier by Christopher L. Bennett, was just released. I've picked up my copy. Uh, You guys definitely should as well. And uh, yeah, so always happy to have new Star Trek fiction. With the novel releases not as frequent as they used to be in the past, it's always a nice time to have a new Star Trek to read.
0: I have not picked up this novel yet, but I definitely will because I'm in the middle of another novel right now. But I'm also kind of hoping that Christopher L. Bennett calls me and just reads it to me. Hmm. But I don't think that's ever going to happen. So maybe I should stop holding off on buying the novel and waiting for that. <laughs> and, you know?
1: Yeah, I feel like you shouldn't hold your breath on that one. But uh, you never know, you know. Stranger things have happened. Actually, no nothing stranger has happened than that that i'm aware of
0: <laughs> well you know speaking of holding breath someone told me because the coronavirus thing is going on COVID 19 and uh someone told me that if you wake up in the morning they heard this from a doctor i don't know if it's true enough but if you hold your breath for 10 seconds then you probably don't have it if you can't hold it for 10 seconds you might have it hmm. that's if you have symptoms of it if you think you know you're getting sick because, you know, I don't want to hold my breath for the coronavirus or the novel.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, interesting. I hadn't heard that, but uh, entirely possible. It is a respiratory infection.
0: I don't know if it's true, but maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, I, I don't know. But
1: we do also have a couple of other pieces of news. Some happy news from Sonequa Martin-Green's family. It seems as though she is pregnant with a daughter. So this would be her second. Her and Kenrick Green's second child. Uh, So they have a daughter on the way, which is very exciting. They released a lovely photo of the family, Uh, her and her husband, Kenrick, and their son uh, excited over this announcement. So it's uh, really awesome news. In her words, they're adding another passenger to the green train.
0: Well, that's great. And congratulations to them. You know, they're done filming season three of Discovery, and I don't know when they would do season four we haven't even got an official announcement about season four but i assume we're going to get that but this is great because she'll probably have the baby before they start filming the next season so it's not like they have to write it in or something like that so you know sneak your timing is perfect on this you guys have your act together for that and i like that your son in this photo that she tweeted is wearing star wars pants like little pajama pants or something oh
1: that's, that's i hadn't so notice awesome. that <laughs>
0: Traitor. (laughs) (laughs) He's laying the force into his new sibling.
1: (laughs) Well, you spoke earlier a little bit about COVID-19 and unfortunately it's having kind of knock-on effects on all kinds of things around the world and including Star Trek fandom. Uh, We've received word that the Nichelle Nicole's farewell tour, there's been no announcement of any delay or cancellation yet but they are apparently in talks about uh, possibly delaying if necessary because of the coronavirus outbreak so uh, we will definitely keep our eyes on that story and bring you any updates that we come across so hopefully uh, the world can sort itself out from this soon and the long-term effects can kind of be mitigated a bit but Uh, Just so you're aware, there are people talking that this event may be affected by that. So don't be surprised if there's an announcement sometime soon. I think
0: they're saying they're hoping to have some announcement in the next week um, or in about a week. But uh, yeah, I wasn't planning to attend. But, you know, if they come up with new dates, if it works well, who knows? Maybe I'll be there. Mm -hmm. So, Dan, I just have to ask, are we done with the news? I think that's about it. There's not a ton of Star Trek news this week. Okay, so I just want to ask you, what are your thoughts about Star Trek Picard at this point?
1: Oh, man. okay. I know this podcast is called Positively Trek, so you're going to assume that, you know, I'm just going to be positive no matter what. But uh, no, I'm really enjoying it. I can genuinely say I've really been enjoying Star Trek Picard. I think any of you listeners who have been following my YouTube channel or uh, us on the live cast will know that how much I'm enjoying this show. Yeah, it's been incredible to see Patrick Stewart step back into this role and the story they've created I'm really into.
0: Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. And we'll see.
1: <laughs> No, I'm, I'm
0: right there with you. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that I was going to like the show anyway. So, you know, that's kind of boring to say that. Oh, I knew I was going to like it. And guess what? I do. Hey, that's so great. <laughs> but, I okay, I'll be honest. It, you know, there's some things I've struggled with a little. I mean, mm-hmm. okay, and here's something I just want to say. It's not about Star Trek Picard, but a pet peeve of mine. When people do reviews and say, it's not perfect, but... I hate saying it's not perfect, but... And if I ever say that, slap me. Because nothing is ever perfect. I mean, come (laughs) on, really. But yeah, Star Trek (laughs) Picard is not perfect, but... No. But I do really enjoy the series... I knew going in, I had the mindset that this is not the next generation. Don't go into this thinking like, okay, this is now a continuation of the next generation just focused on Picard. I knew that the tone would probably be different. Uh, The way the story plays out, of course, it's through 10 episodes. It's very, very serialized. It's not going to be like the next generation. And I was fine with that. And I liked a different take on things. I like to see it's shown to me, uh, Star Trek shown to me in maybe a different way and different lens and that's what this is doing. Sometimes I think the violence, the goriness of some things goes a little too far, but in this medium that we're playing in in this day and age, that's kind of how this works, (laughs) you know, for Mm -hmm. all intents and purposes. I know you don't have to go that direction, but that's what they're doing. And some of the F-bombs still occasionally bother me at times because i just feel like it's just a little too much because i'm not used to hearing that in star trek right because mm-hmm. even reading novels like a novel i'm reading now losing the piece there's some language in there every once in a blue moon but still not to the pace that i feel like i'm hearing in this series and it's hard to imagine in my mind a federation that's dropping f-bombs or you know because in my mind it was always they don't do that i saw that in the voyage home you know it's like but it's it, it doesn't it's not like a showstopper for me and i do accept it and i, I i'm kind of liking it in some ways it's just an adjustment and that's something that i enjoy i like a different take on things and it adjusts the way I see something that I've been watching for over 30 years now, and I'm looking at it in a different lens.
1: And that is what I like. I'm definitely on the same page with a lot of that. I'm really enjoying the show. Some of those criticisms, those are ones that I can totally understand. Like I've seen people online talking about how, you know, they they don't feel that they can watch this show with their family necessarily because of the violence, as you've said, the gore. Those are the things that bother me personally more than the language, but I also understand the language aspect of it. And I really actually do hope, because we know there are a number of new Star Trek series coming in production, in pre-production, all that kind of stuff. I'm really hoping there is still going to be that space in Star Trek for a more PG level, not even just the kids show coming on Nickelodeon, but an adult PG level Star Trek like we got in the past. I'm hoping one of these will kind of fit in that niche because I feel like Star Trek does still need that. I'm definitely appreciating the expansion of the universe. Uh, The F-bombs, actually, some of my favorite lines have (laughs) been one of like just the appropriately timed conversations between Picard and Clancy for example or Rios talking about the hospitality hologram still is just one of my favorite lines in the whole series but I do get that argument absolutely One thing that I always have to remember when I go online as well is that in a lot of cases when people are critical of a show like Star Trek Picard, and I'm not talking about the people that are just, you know, spewing hatred and, and, you know, with no other critique or anything like that. I'm kind of discounting those. But generally, if someone's very critical of it, it's coming from a place of love. People love Star Trek. And when something comes along and changes it fundamentally and does a different thing with it, it's threatening to some people. And I get that. I get that fundamental love of, of this thing that you've grown up with and the fear that it might not go forward in a kind of recognizable way, in a way that you are familiar with and comfortable with. Uh, I, I think Personally, change is important for anything to be able to grow and expand, but I also totally understand, like I said, that fear that something you've loved is going to be fundamentally changed, and I honestly think there's room for more types of Star Trek, and like I say, I hope that one of these other shows, you know... There's been rumors of maybe a Starfleet Academy series. I think that would be kind of a perfect one to have a more PG level, you know, young adult type feel to it or something like that. But uh, yeah, this one definitely makes use of that space in which they can have more mature content, which, you know, for better or ill is definitely something new for Star Trek.
0: Yeah, my daughters are in high school, so they're not young anymore. But when they were younger, if there was this new Nickelodeon Star Trek series on at that time that's aimed at younger kids, if they got into that, they would probably start asking me, you know, hey, Dad, I know you're watching Star Trek. We want to watch Star Trek Picard with you. Then I have to say, you can watch that Star Trek, but I don't think you're ready for this Star Trek. I can show them some of the older Star Trek series, but... You know, in some ways, it's kind of sad that if some kid get a young child is getting into Star Trek, whether it's watching the old series or this new Nickelodeon animated series that that comes out, that there might be a wall that their parents pull up that say you don't want to go there, or they do watch and they get freaked out by it. But Mm -hmm. I feel that Discovery is a little more tame than Picard, and but I also feel and it's you know this is the same just. Even, let's say, Marvel and DC, you know, and I'll pick on DC for this, and I always was a big DC fan, but there are comics and cartoons and such that are aimed at little kids in the DC universe, and then you have a movie like The Joker. Right. (laughs) So, in these franchises, you get the different levels, the more adult and the younger kids and, you know, the in-between. So, we're just kind of fitting into that, and F-bombs didn't exist in prior Star Trek because you couldn't do that on TV at the time. So. Mm -hmm they may have been saying F-bombs. They, we just didn't hear it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's the other thing is, you know, just from a purely in universe argument, most of who we've been following in the shows are these kind of by the book paragon of virtue, Starfleet officer types who, you know, on the bridge of the enterprise, there's not going to be an F-bomb dropped because they're highly professional and, and all this stuff. And in this series, we're seeing a different side of humanity. And I mean, I know the head of Starfleet dropped a couple, (laughs) but, you know, outside of that, we're seeing, you know, this ragtag motley crew of civilians who've had a rough life. And I honestly think that swearing whatever form it takes is going to be a thing for humanity for some parts of humanity, no matter how far in the future we get. So in that way, it feels realistic to me.
0: And we have heard some swearing in Star Trek before and some of the movies Mm -hmm. and some light kind of swearing such in the series. But, you know, I'm glad you brought up character because that's an important thing to remember in this. It's only certain characters. We never hear Picard drop an F bomb. I don't think we've Mm -hmm. heard him do that. I don't think so, no. We didn't hear Riker or Troy do that. Of course, what limited we've seen of data. So, those core characters didn't do that. We haven't, I don't think we've ever heard Soji do that. I mean, there's only certain characters, but I also want to keep in mind that this is also a different point in history. That let's just say, let's just say that during TNG all the way through Voyager, everybody had a clean mouth when they spoke. But times have changed. Mars was attacked the Federation had to pull back Starfleet from exploring new worlds and new civilizations to deal with uh, what was going on with uh, the Romulan star empire with the supernova going on. It's in the book, the last best hope that, you know, there's really no time to explore all these people who are joining Starfleet, their mission to explore and, and do that whole Starfleet type thing is now just a rescue mission or, or dealing with, what's going on with the supernova and other manners and dealing with Mars. And so things have changed. So society may, you know, start to change with it. And maybe there is a little more swearing going on because things aren't as good as they used to be.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's definitely that aspect to it as well. That's one thing I noticed. And, and again, this isn't a books podcast, but that is one thing that I noticed in reading the last best hope was, the further into the story we got, the more prevalent that kind of language became. So yes. as stuff was hitting the fan, let's say as yeah. the situation was getting more and more dire, the language of the people involved became more and more uh, laced with, shall we say more colorful metaphors <laughs> as Spock <laughs> would say, you know, it, it was reflective of the mood of what's happening and I, With a couple of exceptions in Picard, I really feel like the language is warranted, maybe the right word? I don't know. I feel like in some of those situations, I would be using some of those words um, as, you know, things are happening and and stuff is messed up. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. uh, that language seems to be coming more and more in vogue to use. So it it feels reflective of what's happening in the series. And again, it adds realism to it. Now, for some people, that will take them out of the story because they're not used to that in Star Trek. But for me, it adds kind of a verisimilitude to the story that makes it feel more real. And again, just going back to the books... F-bombs have not been unknown in other Star Trek novels as well. So uh, it's kind of one of those things that when it first happened on Discovery, it was a bit of a shock because we'd never seen it on television. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh yeah, that Vanguard novel I read, you know, this freighter captain dropped a couple F-bombs kind of thing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not completely unheard of just, you know, we hadn't seen it in canon Star Trek until recently.
0: Well, this also reminds me of the Peter David novels, New Frontier. There was a lot of language, a lot of sexual situations. It kind of diverged a little differently from the typical Star Trek that we've seen before. And again, it's a different take. It's a different way. It was a different type of crew, different type of situation. It plays out different. They're not, you know, this clean cut all innocent type crew that we saw on the enterprise D or the E even. And you know, this is on the Excalibur and it's different. And so, you know, you have different flavors of Star Trek. And I think it's important to remember as we're watching this series and it's proven this way that this is a story that's playing out episode to episode. So these characters are going to grow and they may start at the bottom And hopefully, as we've started to see, some of them are starting to rise more to the top. So there's some redemption in this for all the characters, even Captain Picard, now Admiral Picard himself.
1: And that's something we've seen play out over the course of this series. I'm really loving how it does feel like each episode is a chapter in a novel. And I think before the series came out, the showrunner and producers involved said Something along those lines that that's what this would feel like. I feel like with this last episode, Broken Pieces, we've gotten a bunch of answers to a lot of the lingering questions as we head into the end game with these final two episodes. So I'm curious, what do you think about how it's been structured? So we've gotten kind of these mysteries seeded over the first seven episodes with A lot of them being answered in the eighth episode, but with this still big question mark as to how it's going to wrap up and what's going to happen. Do you think that pace was too fast, too slow? How do you feel like this is kind of gone for you?
0: That's an interesting question. I would say the first few episodes of the series, I thought were moving a little too slow. I was enjoying them, but I was really hoping things would pick up. And then it started picking up new questions were being raised, questions were being answered. I wasn't too fearful that the season would end without answering most of the questions. And Mm. I'm starting to feel as if most of the answers, I'm sorry, most of the questions are being answered after this, especially since episode eight. And I do believe that when we get to the final episode of the season, I think a majority of the important questions will be answered, but I think there still will be new questions hanging out there. And I think that's done on purpose because then it gives them room to play with something going into season two. Had they gone into this and found out there was no season two, then they would just say, well, those questions aren't answered. And if you need answers, maybe there'll be a book that comes out
1: someday. Star Trek's traditional (laughs) answer to uh, everything there yeah no I I'm really appreciating this as well that like you said the first three episodes in retrospect I feel was kind of like one big long episode or made for TV movie almost like it feels better if you think of it that way and then yeah going forward it was a bit better paced it was a little there was more action, more things happening, I guess. And yeah, with all of these answers and revelations in episode eight, it's just really making me excited for these last two episodes coming up, which are a part one and part two. So if, if I, you know, I feel like we're going to have a big cliffhangery first part and then a big resolution in the second part, which I'm really excited about. The end of the season is a big question mark for me too. Cause I really do wonder uh, kind of like you say, is there going to be a big, you know, mystery going into season two? Is there going to be a Pike's enterprise showing up moment at the end of Picard? <laughs> like there was for discovery season one. I'm, I'm really curious what that might be.
0: Uh, yeah. I, uh, t- I have no idea, but I think most of the storyline about the synths and Soji I think most of that will be resolved. Mm-hmm. And maybe even things with the Romulans. I, I don't think the Romulans will be totally resolved. I don't think everything will be totally resolved. But I think this, most of the, the A storylines we're seeing this season will be resolved. But there'll be some loose ends that spark off something new. Like you're saying, maybe there's something introduced at the end. And it's like, oh, okay. Now that we've got this concluded... Boom, this opens the door to something totally different now. Like, who knows when they get to this planet, something new was revealed. And that sparks a whole new storyline in season two.
1: Oh, man, I'm excited. I'm excited both for the wrap up of this story and where it could go from here, because we do know, of course, that they are getting a season two. So, Yeah. yeah, definitely excited. I want to talk a little bit about the characters as well. And I mean, we've talked a little bit about Picard himself and Riker and Troy and Soji. You know, we've talked about the old characters, but the newcomers like Soji and uh, Rafi and Girati and Narissa is also someone that <laughs> I've found oddly compelling in these last <laughs> uh, few episodes. Yeah. Peyton List, who plays Narissa, Apparently, listening to The Ready Room and the Star Trek Picard podcast, she was somebody that wasn't supposed to have a very big role in the season. But when she started performing the role of Nerissa and came in and read for it, they thought, she's great. We need to make a bigger role for her. Do you think she's going to survive and be a baddie in season two? Because I bet you they're going to do that.
0: Really? I was my gut was gonna say no, okay. that they're not I mean she does feel very she has felt a very one dimensional villain, but we're get, she's getting more complex and more interesting that's for sure, but I don't know if there's enough there I mean they could add more to her. I guess i where I'm leaning towards is I'm hoping that they go a little further and introduce some new type of villain and new characters. I don't want to keep playing with the the same ones I'm going to keep with our crew, but anybody outside the crew wanna explored other
1: characters. Yeah. As far as the crew goes, I really hope Rios and his ship, still continue to play a role in season two. I, I have a feeling Dr. Gerardi might be done after this season, which I would is assume that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, at least as far as the actor is concerned. I love Alison pill. And, because
0: what would you do with her? If this yeah. storyline plays out, I don't know. I mean, they could figure something out, but I don't know what she would be used for.
1: <laughs> Maybe at the very end of the season, La Serena gets thrown 75,000 light years into the Delta quadrant and have to get home or something. (laughs) Well, or, you know,
0: something is still continuing on that is revolving around artificial life forms. That could be, Yeah, she would be a valuable member of the crew to investigate that. And just keep in mind that could be also connected to holograms.
1: I, as, as you said that I just kind of pictured a uh, Tom Paris type situation where she is released to Picard to assist in some mission having to do with synthetic life forms, even though she was, you know, at the penal colony in New Zealand or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then she's always in that medical bay on the ship because she is an MD. That's true. Yeah. Doing
1: other experiments and stuff from
0: there. So maybe she could continue. Yeah, that's true. I don't know, Dan, this is just like, I'm like freaking, I'm thinking about season two now. We're not even done with season one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's, uh, Let's also talk a little bit about Rafi, who I think is a great addition to Star Trek Picard as well. A kind of this flawed, broken character, a type we've not really seen in Star Trek before with addiction problems and a troubled past. I love Star Trek when it's talking about social issues, and I think it's doing a great job talking about some of these issues that Star Trek has never talked about before, never really gotten into, at least not with, you know, our characters, you know, there's always the problems that other cultures have and other civilizations have, but kind of concentrating on someone who has lost her way and, you know, was in Starfleet and, was in the Federation world, but has found her path to be a darker one. I think it was a really interesting choice.
0: I don't like to see my Starfleet officers broken. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't, I don't want a character like that. This is not a complaint. It's just, you know, I like thinking of Starfleet officers as having their act together. <laughs> and I know that's unrealistic everyone's got issues everyone has problems and we've seen that in in past things too so the introduction of this character as being broken that someone who served for picard with picard and blames picard for some of her issues is not something that is thrilling to me but what is thrilling to me is to see and hope to see this character become the starfleet officer that i hope she would be mm-hmm. you know go back to who she may have been. And we're starting to see glimpses of that because when she's given a mission, she starts to put her life back together and her confidence is there. And even in this last episode uh, of episode eight, there were times that she's standing there and she's talking to Girardi and, or they're standing by Girardi. She's talking to Picard. And I was like, I I'm picturing her in a Starfleet uniform at this moment. And I'm feeling like I'm seeing what may have been the Rafi of Starfleet from years ago.
1: Yeah. A lot of the physical acting that she's doing, I think is great. So when she's broken, when she's kind of on her bender, you know, she's over the computer console and she's kind of hunched over and all this kind of stuff. In this last episode, she was standing tall, you know, she had her. She was, carrying herself with this confidence and this mission she had to get to the bottom of what was bothering Rios and, and his past and stuff. It was so great to see that flowering of her Starfleet officerness. I guess. I like that. Yeah.
0: And I think we'll start to see even more of that with Rios. He's mm-hmm. kind of in that same boat. I mean, we just saw him pull out his old uniform and we saw his pips and his communicator badge and, I, and I feel like there's times on the bridge, I see what Rios may have been like on
1: the bridge of a Starfleet vessel. Mm-hmm. And now that what's happening in the show also has personal stakes to his character as well, I think is going to be a big motivator for him in these last two episodes uh, with his whole past with the synth named Jana and all this stuff. So I, I think that's going to play very personally to his story and really, make him come alive as a character as well.
0: And that's the thing. I feel like people need to really try to appreciate what they're trying to tell you. You may go into this and have some discomfort in this series because it doesn't fit the Star Trek you've had in the past. And, and, and you may have had the same feelings that you and I were talking about, like, well, you know, I don't really care for maybe the violence or the, this or the, that or the language or whatever it might be, you know, little things like that. It doesn't quite feel like, exactly like the star treks we've had before but the title of this episode is so important broken pieces Mm -hmm. and if you think about the theme song that opening that we get every week we see pieces falling and being put back together that's what this series is all about you know you're always looking for the messaging in star trek this is what the messaging is overall it's putting pieces back into place, whether it's these main characters, whether it's Picard, whether it's the Federation, Starfleet, the Romulans, Mm -hmm. this Borg cube, it's, and seven of nine, all these pieces are broken and we're putting together. And to be able to achieve that is the message of Star Trek. That is the positive message. We're going in feeling the negative negative but you're only going to feel the positive when we get to the end. You have to feel that negative in order to reach the positive. And Mm -hmm. that's the beauty that I like that these creators are doing with this star Trek.
1: Yeah, definitely. And kind of to a point that I was talking a little bit about earlier, the one thing that took me a while to wrap my head around and realize what they were doing was so many times in star Trek, That message, the message of positivity and that sort of thing is applied to other cultures. So, you know, oh, this culture is oppressing this group of people. Let's step in and show them the error of their ways and how to fix that. This is kind of one of the first times, not the first time, this has been done before, but one of the first times that Star Trek has said, Maybe the problem is with us. Maybe we have issues that we need to work on as a society. We being the Federation and whatever in your mind it stands in for when you're watching the show. So I feel like a lot of the issues that people have are with that approach to the storytelling. And I think it makes that storytelling more meaningful and more resonant, at least to me when it's approaching it in that way and saying that you know maybe we need to self-reflect and examine what we've been doing wrong and how we can go about fixing that.
0: It's as if Star Trek is saying, we as the Federation Starfleet have spent so many years trying to fix the problems in the universe that we haven't been paying attention to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And now we've noticed that there are broken pieces. There are things that we're not perfect at that we've kept the eye off the ball we still need to help the universe and still have it but we have to also manage ourselves we have to take care of ourselves and that's how things are personally you know Mm -hmm. you can do everything you can to help your family and your friends but you also have to take care of yourself and i mean i've known people who are so worried about everyone's health and their well-being and yet they're letting their own health deteriorate you've got to balance both and I almost feel like that's what this is saying too. It's like, you know, we, we've got to pick ourselves back up in, in order to help others.
1: Definitely. I agree. I could not put that better myself.
0: I mean, there's so much more that we can talk about. But the idea of this was just our initial feelings at this point, where we came into this and where we are now with this series. And as the series develops, at least this season for sure, when we get past episode 10, we'll go into probably more greater detail and really examine some of the characters individually and this different episodes and which things stood out versus some other episodes or whatever. So I'm looking forward to just continuing this journey.
1: Definitely. And we will of course, like you said, be talking more about Star Trek Picard in the future, more to come. We'd also love to hear your thoughts on this stuff. So tweet at us at positively Trek on Twitter Uh, We'll have a tweet about this episode, reply to that, let us know your thoughts. And also we're on Facebook. Go check out our discussion group there. Just search Positively Trek on Facebook and you'll be able to find us and we'll let you right into the group. And let's continue this discussion on there because I think there's a lot to talk about. Now, didn't you set up an
0: email account for us?
1: I did. Yes. We have an email, positivelytrek at gmail.com. So if you have any thoughts, please send them there. We might even read your comments on the show. Yeah. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say.
0: And we would love to hear suggestions of topics that you'd like to hear us discuss. This mm-hmm. podcast isn't something that we're going to do an episode review of Picard every week, necessarily. You know, we may give some general thoughts on it, but it's really topic-driven. So if you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss that has anything, anything to do with the Star Trek series, movies, books, comics, any of those mediums or fan culture or conventions or just whatever, anything related to Star Trek. We'll we'll talk about it.
1: We're looking forward to all of the great discussions that we'll have, and we look forward to hearing your thoughts on them.
2: You know how to book flights and hotels.